Good morning, and welcome back to Grace. It's good to see everybody, and uh, we have several announcements you'll have in your bulletin, and I'm sure Christy has sent those out already. But let me just touch base on a few of those so that we'll have those uh, before you this week as we're narrowing down. One is obviously the Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve candlelight service. Had to slow down to get all that out. Um, it is planned to be outside. We're excited. We're going to, uh, Nick's been working to help put things on. We'll have the computer and all the words on the side of the building. We've checked it out. It'd be a neat little service. We're thought about having little fire pits. If you have an outdoor fire pit, we're going to have coffee and hot chocolate. It's going to be more of just an outdoor celebration for Christmas Eve. It's only going to be about an hour long, but of course it all depends on the what? the weather and I know it's not looking good so let me just say this up front so everybody hears the same thing because uh, someone said well what about inside folks we're not ready this this year and me personally I've spoke with Nick we've balanced for months and months the safety of everybody trying to work things in get people seated uh, we've advertised it in the public and for us to be able to put on three services make sure it's all masked it would have to be entirely masked services for singing because we're going to have people home from colleges, families visiting from out of town, people from the streets driving by. And as your pastor, my number one priority is not only to feed you spiritually, but just to make sure you would be safe. And to have hundreds of people packed in here uh, not knowing where we are, that's just impossible. So Lord willing, if it's able to be outside, we're going to be outside. And if it gets canceled, then we're going to have a New Year's Eve party at Nick's house. Um, <laughs> We'll, we'll make it up to you, I promise, and uh, we'll get together. But please be patient with us. We really want to meet, but at the same time, we understand this year has been so different, and we all want to celebrate, Chris, celebrate Christmas in a healthy way. So Lord willing, we'll be here 7 p.m. If you do want to help with some of the fire pits or you have an outdoor fire pit, please bring them by. Um, we didn't want to set up a bunch of fire pits on the lawn, but we thought it would just be a neat time to have places to set up, stay warm, we'll have candlelight. We'll have coffee, hot chocolate if it all goes well, and we'll sing and celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ together as a community. For whoever shows up, we put it on the sign. And so uh, just pray. If it's the Lord's will, uh, we'll have that this week. But if not, it, it will be canceled. We will not be trying to fit everybody inside to do the candlelight service indoors. Uh, also, you'll see on the back the, the classes. We do invite you to be a part all the time of our Sunday school classes. I will be doing one in January. Uh, we'll announce it. Christy probably sent out a blast. Uh, what that class is going to be is if you are a parent and have covenant children and you think your children are ready to make a profession of faith, uh, bring them to that class. I'll be going over the five questions of membership. If you're new to our church and are thinking about joining the church, please come to that class. I'll go over the same five questions. We are a confessional church, not only in the sense that we support a confession of faith, but we all say the same confessions of the same five questions about who Jesus is, what he's done for us, how we're going to live and support the church together. So it builds this common connection of what we call the community uh, of covenant people together. And so if you're interested at all or have children that have grown up and are ready to make a profession of faith, which means in our terminology, you have covenant children that are ready to become communing members. That means they'll make a profession of faith to the session and they'll be able to start taking the Lord's Supper. So we truly uh, emphasize that, encourage that, parents, uh, that you know your children better than any, and if you think they understand, uh, then we want to beckon the call, the same call Jesus said, let the children come to me. And so we want to see the Lord work in their hearts as well. So please, we'll have information for that as you go. We have uh, information online for membership. You can fill out the form or just show up, and we'll try to have all that done. 
other than that, visitors, uh, we do want you to know that we have a blue card that if you haven't filled out, uh, we'd love for you to fill that out and put it in the offering box as you go. That is what allows us to also have at least an email address if you don't want to give us anything else. And we'll actually send you an invite that says, hey, if you want to come to worship, just click on that, sign up for what service you want to be a part of. And that way we'll have a record that you can come and sit and we'll have a place for you. Otherwise, when you show up, we still have room right now, but some weeks get a little tight. So it's nice for us to have a place for you. And then last, let me just say this. It's the financial snapshot. We've tried to bring it up to date. I appreciate Lisa and Mike and everyone who has helped with the counting and putting it together. But uh, the session has met and uh, we're even above where we were last year. You'll see in the snapshot, our goal for the year was to meet the budget goal. That's what the budget was for the year. This is where we are, is what we have received to date in our tithes. And then we also give you the amount we're under. And so if you're here at the end of the year, uh, several people have asked if we are doing year-end things or special things for the building. It's totally up to you. The session did meet. And since we are ahead of our expenses, as you will see, we are, even though we are not met our budget goal, we are still above our expenses and we don't foresee having to spend everything this year. And so if you are one of those that have asked about giving to the building fund or you want to give directly to help pay that down or whatever, the session voted to say yes. So between now and the end of the year, if you want to give a special donation to the building fund, it will go 100% on principle uh, because we're able to do that. Or if you just want to help us meet our goal, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, so please keep that in mind as we go forward to the end. I was told I wasn't here, but... Uh, Christy reminded me that Lisa will be here on the last day of the year, only until 10 in the morning. And I thought, well, that's interesting. But what that is, is for anybody who's doing some last minute details, you're figuring out with your accountant what you need to do, and you're going to be here, just know we will be here until 10 o'clock in the morning on the 31st that you could still bring stuff by. But we only record things in our church for the time in which it was received. So if you want to work something out into the further years with your accountants, that's up to you. But we will only record money in this year that which we have actually received. We don't backdate or postdate checks to do that. So I was asked to announce that. So the year's coming down. It's been a, a fabulous year, crazy year, I know. Uh, but we're excited to continue worshiping. And so uh, let's take a moment. And if you will, follow along in the bulletin uh, with us as we go together. I will lead us to the Lord in prayer, and if you'll join me in the Lord's prayer, then I'll call us to worship. But let, let me pray. Heavenly Father, again, we are so thankful that we are able to come uh, as a body together, as a community that you have drawn together, Father, your church, Father, that you have put together, that your Holy Spirit has drawn us to one, that Lord, here this morning, we might truly realize what that greatest gift of love is. And how important it is to know true love and to experience true love and to be able to share that true love so that, Lord, we can truly make a difference. Lord, all these things this morning, I ask that you would bless us as we study your word, that you would help us to put aside the anxieties of the season, the travel of all of our family and friends, the work schedules that are hustling and bustling at the end. And Lord, just give us some moments within our heart and mind that we can just be relaxed, focused, and encouraged by you. Lord, we realize again that we haven't earned the right to ask these things. We haven't done anything to deserve the blessings that you give us. But Lord, as your children, we come boldly to the throne of grace 
praying as you taught us, saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we come to sing together and stand, let me call us to worship from Psalm 85. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God, the Lord, will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. At this time, I would like to ask one of our uh, deacons. We've been using the officers of our church to come and light the candles this year. And so I've asked if Matt and Kelly would come. And they're going to spend some time leading us in our candles. Good morning. As we continue our Advent season and the lighting of the candles of hope, peace, joy, and love, we're drawing closer to the time when we recall Jesus' birth, as well as his second coming. May the Lord use this season to draw you and your family closer to him. First, we relight the candle of hope as we are reminded that Jesus is our only hope. Second, we relight the candle of peace as we are reminded that Jesus himself is our peace. Next, we relight the candle of joy as we are reminded that Jesus is our true joy. And today, we light the candle of love. As Jesus' birth draws near, we are reminded of how much God loves us and what this love led him to do for us. John 3.16 is clear. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This love of God not only changes our lives, but his love commands us to love others the same way God loves us. 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Jesus himself commanded us in John 3, 13, 34, and 35, saying, Just as I loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. It is our prayer through this season that you and your family will experience the wonderful saving love of God in Jesus Christ and demonstrate this same love to others. Amen. Thanks, Matt and Kelly. If you'll follow along uh, as we come to confess our faith together and to share in this season, uh, we have it here in the Westminster Larger Catechism. I'll read the question if you would join together with me in reading the answer in bold print. Question 79, may not true believers by reason of their imperfections and the many temptations and sins they are overtaken with fall away 
from the state of grace? The answer to that is, true believers, by reason of the unchangeable love of God and his decree and covenant to give them perseverance, their inseparable union with Christ, his continual intercession for them, and the spirit and seed of God abiding in them, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And together, not only are we kept together, as some of our writers have said, in the grip of grace, but it also allows us to come together and share in our confessing of our sins, our frailty and our shortcomings together before the Lord. And so, if you would, pray with me our confession of sin together. Lord Christ, we confess our willingness to be loved, but also our reluctance to love. We confess our readiness to accept your forgiving love, but also our refusal to forgive. We confess our eagerness to grasp your offer of redeeming love, but also our resistance to follow you without question. In this Advent time, forgive us our failure to respond as we should. Come to us anew, and by your grace, assist us to receive you with joy as the shepherds, with gratitude as Simeon, with obedience as Mary, with love as you have loved us. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. We find the assurance of pardon all throughout scriptures, but here this morning, one very common to all of us, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. It is our prayer and it is our beckoning call to everyone that if you are wrestling with sin, if you're wrestling with forgiveness, wrestling with acceptance, you can come to Jesus Christ. The long-awaited season for a Messiah is here and you can find all of that in the one and only Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so we encourage you this season to do just that. Ask that you take your Bibles and turn with you to the book of 1 John. It's a wonderful, small little book. And uh, I want to speak to you today on a few things about love. Now, I am not the guru of love. There are many people who have written books on love. Probably the best, I haven't read it, but isn't it something like Men are from Mars and women from Venus or something like that. Everybody has their own understanding of love. We grow in life from puppy love to an everlasting love. We find ourselves caught in a mix of how is love developed. Is it developed from your childhood sweetheart through a high school first date? Or is it the one you found today online in a a dating situation? Someone from around the world that was able to be matched and you were able to come together. In all cases, we live in a world where many of us are realizing that love has run such a gamut of things that sometimes we ask ourselves, how do you know when love is real? How do you know when the love you have is the right love? Because we live in a generation where love is not always right. Love is now an expression for people who want to demonstrate how they feel for others regardless of boundaries. And here this morning, I want to remind you that as Christians, we are bound 
by the laws of God to, of God to govern our love, to regulate our love according to the boundaries of Scripture. God determines what love is. He gives us this in John. You may not realize this, but here in 1 John chapter 4, a small little writing. He's also the writer, I believe, was the gospel writer and that of Revelation. He writes many of these books to us. But it is here in this chapter that John is known as the writer of love. If he could retitle this book and title it, How to Have Eternal Love with Your Mate, I bet you it would sell as a bestseller in the New York Times. But to wrap it and say, God's Apostle John writes to you about love. Well, now nobody wants to know what it is. But he is the one that writes on love more than 1 Corinthians' love chapter. More than all the Gospels together. This one section in 1 John 4 gives us more about the word love than any other place. And it's the word that is used the same throughout. Now, you may not be a Greek scholar and you may not want to go into all the languages... But as you know, in the Bible, we have different words for love. We have phileo, which is the Philadelphia, the word we get our English word for brotherly love. It's the city. It's not used one time in this passage. We talk about eros or erotic, where we get a, a familial or a, a, an affectionate type of love. That is not even used one time in this passage. The word that is used 20, almost 30 times in this passage is the one word that describes a rational, selfless, intentional, committed type of love. And you all know what that Greek word is because you've heard it forever. What is it? Agape. So even when we begin to read about the beloved, folks, that is the word agape. It is the word used to describe. Some people would put in there, my brethren, my beloved, those in whom we love. These are the same words over and over. And so I want to take a moment this morning. You can write this down. Let me read it first about how do we experience this love that John speaks about that is so important. It begins in verse 7 in 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Oh, it's an amazing amount of how much love is here. We could go on and on about love. But here this morning, if I can take just these few verses and encourage you about the importance of experiencing this type of love. Let's understand this love. I'll give you several points if you want to go along with me as I go through that. First of all, let's talk about this love that comes down to us. There is a love that comes down to us. That's the love we're speaking about. We're not talking about a love that has arisen from a game that you have played or when people say, I love football. Oh, I love hiking mountains. Oh, I love going to the store and finding this. Folks, we use the word love in such a way that it distorts the true meaning. It's amazing how in one sentence you can say, 
oh man, I love that show on TV, and then trying to say, oh, but I love you, honey, I'll see you in a little while. Do they compare? Is one really a, a dedicated commitment? Now, maybe some of you do have a favorite TV show, and it is everything that you dream of. You are committed to it. It's there all the time. It, you would do anything to keep that show, and maybe it's that important. But all of a sudden, we realize, listen to what he says, Beloved, let us love, for love is from God. The first thing you need to realize is this is a love that must come down to us. You must have a proper understanding of how this love comes to us. There's only one way in which God revealed his love to us in a way that we would never be able to misinterpret it, and that is through his son, Jesus Christ. Christians must have a proper understanding of theology before we have a proper understanding of love. What you think about Jesus reflects what you think about love. For a world in which we live that don't understand Jesus, don't know Jesus, and don't know God, I would be a little leery when they told you they loved you. Because what kind of love are they talking about? Is it the kind of love that it works until things change and it runs out? Is it the kind of love that it phases over time? Is it the kind of love that's only when I get what I want? Is it the kind of love that lasts forever and is selfless? See, only those who know God know. Here's what it says. Let us love one another, for love is from God. And even more specifically, he says this. God is love. Mark that circle because, folks, the Bible tells us this. That God is spirit. We know that. Which means that there is no place you can go. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's able to indwell you. He knows everything about your life. There's no place you can go to hide from him because God is spirit. We know that. And now you connect together that God is love. It's his essence of character of who he is. God doesn't just demonstrate love. God is love. We're also told by the same writer that God is light. Put these things together for the essence of who he is. His spirit is everywhere about us, knows everything that we do, everything that we've done, knows every place we're going to go or every place that we've been. He is the God of light, which means he is able to expose anything and everything about us. He is able to uncover and bring to the light everything that we thought we have hidden and kept closed from everybody else. And yet, as the God of love, he is able to deal with those sins, capture us from our darknesses, Lead us to the places we need to be and do it in a way that is loving. It changes everything when you realize that even in the judgment that God brings, there is love. Because God cannot act without his essence of love. So maybe this season, when we talk about love, that John talks about this love that comes down from above, and you realize that just as God, in his love, lit things up in my life, exposed the things that needed to be exposed, uncovered the things that needed to be uncovered. As the God of spirit who came to me in my secret places and told me he still wanted me. And then as he handled them in a loving way and forgave me, maybe it's time you understand that what God has done for you, you could do for another. You see, the love that comes down to us, why? Write this down. Love must come down to us because it is his love showing commitment to us. He is committed to bringing about what we learn throughout the passages of Scripture. 
Ephesians, we are told that he loved us even before the foundations of the world. Romans tells us that we were foreknown, predestined, even before the foundations of being even called to be justified. Do you see, God is committed to us. His love is a committed love. It's a love that brings about his purpose and his plan. So much so that John writes it this way. Anyone who does not love does not understand this, that God manifested this love among us by giving his only what? Son. Now there's been debate, as you know, but some translations are different. Some would put only begotten, but there is no debate. It's not like the most loved son, the first loved son. He's not giving us one of his children. No, he's giving us what? The only to come amongst us, that we would behold his glory. He writes that in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, that we behold the glory, that which is among us. That's why he came. Love must come down for us to understand it. If you don't know God this morning, you need to come to know God and for the first time understand what it means to tell someone you love them, to really understand what you're asking from them when they say they love you. What your expectations are when you use that word. Because that's exactly what we get from John when he writes, Beloved, let us be selfless. Follow this in verse 7. Beloved, let us be selfless. Let us give up our self-centeredness. Let us look for true commitment to one another. That's what it actually says. Did you know that? Because those are the words tied to agape. You see, it's easy to just say, oh, I love you, yes. Well, wait, wait a minute. Do you really love me? Wow. All of a sudden we realize to understand love, it must come down to us because it shows God's love and commitment to us. But that's not enough. We must understand the importance of it theologically. He sent his son. Why? Because love is attached to forgiveness. Love is attached theologically to being cleansed, made right, and in a right relationship with God. Love signifies that things are right, that things can be made right, that things were intended to be right. In this, the love of God was made manifest. He sent his son. Why? That we would live through him. And listen to how that happens, verse 10. He sent his son to be the what? Yeah, it's a big fancy word. The propitiation. Folks, he is there to appease God and to bring the happiness, the blessedness, the togetherness that was lacking when we were separated from God and didn't understand love. And now that his son has come, we understand love. Because just read the Gospels. Follow the life of Christ and see the picture of true love. Yes, love does confront Yes, love is tough. Yes, love is pure. Oh, you can put all kinds of characteristics because yes, love is real. But most importantly, if you don't know God, you don't know love. Had a couple up in Alpena, Michigan, for those of you who travel a lot, way up here in the mitten part of Michigan, up by the top of the Great Lakes. We were planting a church, a church called Thunder Bay at the time had a Catholic couple that came in and we were talking about love. And I made the comment that if you don't know love, then you're not going to last. Your marriage can never be the same. After the service, they came up to me. It was an elderly Catholic couple and wanted me to know that, you know what, we have been married. I want you to know we weren't Christians for the first 30 years of our lives. And pastor, we still stayed married. 
I wasn't sure what they were getting at. I was still young, a snot nose. Back then, as I've told you before, when you're young, you always think to yourself, why in the world does the whole world not come hear me preach? And then as you get older, you say to yourself, why in the world did anybody come and hear me <laughs> preach? But that couple came up to me and told me that, and I was kind of a little defensive. I thought, well, what are they trying to tell me? And all I could think of was this. Could you only imagine how much better it would have been if you were Christians? You see, the difference of it is when you don't know God, you don't even know what you're missing. You're living in a worldly love that you think is right. And every one of us has been at that point where we've said to ourselves, is this what, is, is, this, what this is supposed to be? Is this what love looks like? Is this what I've committed to the rest of my life? Because we have those ups and downs. I wonder to the poor woman who's been hit, beat, ridiculed, pushed aside, set aside, set up chores, a slave into the household of the one who says, but I love you. Is that the love of God? You see, it's all different when we realize that love must come from above. It must come down because God is love. But not only that, catch this, folks, write this down. Not only does love have to come down to us, love must come in us. It was given that it might be among us and that we would live. It must come in us. Love does nothing to us just knowing about it. We all know those people who have a special loving relationship, right? What good is their love if it's not yours? What good is knowing about Jesus Christ? What is good knowing about what he's done to others? You can't express a love that you've never experienced. Love must come in. Why? Now write this down. You can keep it. Why? Because God, his love shows his covenant with us. You see, the covenant promise was that one day he would write on our hearts. He would fill us with his spirit. We would be made new. That's what Ezekiel and Jeremiah are all about is that the love would come down and we would no longer need a law to govern our lives because the love would be within us. It would be planted in our hearts. It was known as the new covenant. It would be a new heart. And that's when he says, when this God sent his son into the world, why? That we might live. Oh, it's a big debate that rages. One girl came up to me in that same little town when we were first preaching and she said, do you ever understand why he used the word might it makes it sound as though if you do love God and he does come, that there's only a chance that you will actually experience that. And so obviously you go back into the Greek case, you look up the subjunctive and what it is actually applying, and you realize that some have said, you know why the word might was used? Because God's love, as pure as it is, is only experienced by those when the love comes in. Just because Jesus died on the cross doesn't mean everyone gets to have that love. Orthodox says, yes, Jesus died. Yes, his love could save everyone. There's no expanse it couldn't cover. But if you have not confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then the love has yet come in. And you've yet to experience the covenant that God promised with us. That's the difference that John writes. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. It must come down to us. That he sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. 
that you might truly experience the love that changes all things because you understand that selfless, committed, intentional, rational love that doesn't go away based on feelings and situations and circumstances. Oh, sometimes we have to re-ask ourselves, and maybe you this season, what kind of love do I have for my children? Was it the kind of love that even when they didn't do exactly as I wanted them, didn't become what I thought they should become, aren't producing like I thought they would produce, that my love has changed? Or maybe it's our parents because they're making decisions now. We feel they ought to be making decisions that are different. And we ask ourselves, well, now does it change? I'll tell you how we know how your love may be different. Maybe you're one of those that has bought into the fact that just give it time and distance. And it'll all be well. That's the worldly answer. We just need a little space between us. We just need a little time to be separated. Oh, you'll find it in all kinds of worldly books about true love. But find it in Scripture when we're told that there comes a point when God's love says to you, look, I just need you to get away for a while. I just need you to grow up for a while. I just need you to give me some time so I can think about this. I wonder what the prodigal's father thought when the son came back in his disobedience, squandering of all of his money, and came back. Father, I want to come home, but just give me some time to think about it, son. You made your bed go what? Yeah, you made your choices. That's not an agape. Because the agape would have been the one in which the prodigal, just like our father, yearns for them to come home. We're even told in the story of the parable that God rejoices more over the one that comes back, the one that was lost, than the 99 that are what? Safe. You see, we're given pictures, but we're demonstrated it in the life of Jesus Christ. Love must come down to us to show God's commitment to us. Love must come in us to show God's covenant relationship with us so that we can experience the Spirit, experience the new life, understand the love, that our lives could be different, to know what it really means to be loved. Oh, I've heard it a thousand times, if not more, that we don't want to talk about God because so many people have had a a bad relationship with their father, and to talk about God as a father just ruins that relationship. Well, how else will we describe God? Maybe it's, in t- maybe it's time and important enough to say, but wait a minute, just because there was love of an earthly father, just because there was love demonstrated in an earthly love and a worldly love, and just because the relationship was deemed by the world as being one that was loving and kind, doesn't mean we ought to run from the God of love, the one who is love, who's demonstrated love. Maybe it's time you need the comfort of a real father. Maybe it's time you know what it's like to nestle up against one who said he will never leave you, nor what? Forsake you. 
Oh, you can make it through the life if you want this life with a worldly love. I'm not saying you can't be committed enough to make things work. But why not experience true love? Let love come down to you. Experience God's commitment to you. Let love come in you. Experience his spirit, his covenant faithfulness to you. And finally, love must come through us so that we can be excited about him coming back for us. You see, his commitment to us and his covenant with us is so that we can be reassured that he's coming back for us. That's the ultimate end of love, is that it lasts forever. That's what it means to have eternal love. That's what it means to have this life that lasts forever. It's eternal. It can never be lost. We shared it in our catechism this morning. There is nothing we can do to take the love of the Father that he has for us and lose it. You can run from it. You can try to escape it. You can ignore it. And you can live without it. You can shun it, close it up, do what you want. He'll never stop loving you. He'll never stop wanting you. He chose you while you were a sinner. There's nothing else you could do to change his mind. His love only is there to last forever. Why must it come through us? So that the rest of the world can be excited that he's coming back for us. Oh, it's so simply put, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. And beloved, if God so loved us, we what? We ought to love one another. If you go back just one chapter in your Bible to 1 John 3, 16, I've given you this before. It's in a highlight in my life constantly because John 3.16 said, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. 1 John 3.16. Very easy to remember. John 3.16 in the gospel. 1 John 3.16 says this. And by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brother. You see, the reason the love must come through us is because for the world to have a true picture of love, of who God is and what he is, before he ever changes their life, touches their life, and touches their hearts, he allows us to demonstrate that same love. You're the one that's a walking picture. Say it gently in this way. You're another Jesus. Oh, be careful how I say that. No, I don't think you're going to be divine. I don't think you're going to inherit the kingdoms. But what I'm saying is you can be just like Jesus. That's the pattern of our life, to grow in wisdom and stature and knowledge, to be more and more like Jesus, the only Son of God. That that love that came down to us and came in us is now coming through us. And we're sharing with the rest of the world the same love that took us, changed us, and made us who we are. Why? So that for the rest of our lives, we wait for him to come and get us. Oh, this past week, I thank you for your prayers. Stacy and the kids left to go be. Her grandma finally died. We was expected for months. And it's been a, a challenge. And her mom's been so faithfully caring for them and taking care of her. But one of the statements that was made for so long is, I'm ready to go be with Papa. I'm ready to go be with Papa. 
just ready to go to your papa. You know, isn't it amazing so many couples that you know that have been together for so long, when one dies to go to be with the Lord, they're ready to die in what? Go be with him. It's not being with Papa. It's not being with Grandpa. It's not being with Grandma. You know why you're ready? Because you get to be with who? You get to be with Jesus. You get to be with the one who gave his life for you. You get to spend eternity with the one who left the portals of heaven to demonstrate how God is love. Selfless, committed, eternally, so that we could spend it with him. Oh, I ask you this morning, when he writes, by this we know that we abide in him, verse 13, and he in us, he has given us his spirit. Oh, this morning I challenge you, more than any time this season, has the love of God come down to you? Read the Gospels. Read John. Read the birth story. Theologically, you must understand the truth. God gave us his son. More importantly, this season, has the love of God come into you? Have you experienced what Jesus can do? Have you accepted and acknowledged what Jesus has done for you? There is no greater love than to know what Jesus has done for you. And finally, for those of you who know it's come and you know you've experienced it, are you letting that love shine through you? Who is it in your family? Who is it in your circles that you know does not understand true love? And the only way they'll ever get through is to know Jesus Christ. Yes, they need to know God's commitment. They need to know God's covenant. And they need to know that God's coming again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, that we have a true picture of love. Father, in a world in which love has been distorted to be used in all kinds of ways, to mean all kinds of things, Lord, help us to understand that selfless, committed love, that rational understanding of what was needed, that what God planned from long ago, Jesus, you came and fulfilled and demonstrated your love for us while we were sinners. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit fill us, convict us of our unrighteousness and our need for you. Lord, fill us so that if need be for the first time, we know what it means to say, I truly love you. And Lord, through it, let us find a love for your coming again, that we could anxiously await for you to come and receive us to yourself as you promised. Lord, you promised that you would come and you did. You promised you would feel and you did. You promised you would come again and we know you will. To your praise and glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would receive the benediction, and now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus.
throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.